0: One,
1: two, one, two, three, four. Josie and the Podcast.
2: Hello, hello. My name is Maria Lewis and I'm the host of Josie and the Podcats, a six-part limited podcast series about the 2001 cult classic Josie and the Pussycats.
0: Hello, hello. And I'm producer Blake Howard and welcome to the bonus bossy love. Fuck you for mocking me. (laughs)
2: Look, we could have called this bonus episode Operator Please or Amanda Wilkinson, but bonus bossy love just sounds cooler because alliteration.
0: Now, this is our second last bonus episode, and it comes ahead of our very last major episode, Legacy. So, as part of that episode, we talked to musicians and filmmakers and pop culture personalities who were deeply impacted by the film, Josie and the Pussycats.
2: And one of them is Amanda Wilkinson of the band Bossy Love and one of my oldest mates. You heard a brief bit from her on the DuJour episode talking about some of the samples from the soundtrack's executive producer, Kenny Babyface Edmonds. Amanda has an amazing, fascinating story, so much so that we wanted to dedicate a whole bonus episode to it. and likely, if you're in a certain age group, say, 25 to 35, her voice may sound very familiar.
1: It's just a song. It's just a song. It's just song. It's just song. It's just a song about people. Fifty seconds and a ready to play. Say money on a money on a hair today. I've got another fifty seconds and I'm ready to play. Agama Gamma 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 Ragged and Ham. Now given to look, I don't think you understand. With a dirty daddy, 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 look in your face, so you know, beat dragons and ham, stay Um, hello, my name is Amanda Wilkinson. I am a musician, singer songwriter, currently based in Glasgow. I'm the f I'm the singer of a band called Bussy Love right now, and I used to be a singer and guitarist in Operator Please.
2: Amanda and I are the same age and when we were in our first year of high school, so like 12 or 13, that's when Josie and the Pussycats first dropped in cinemas. As mentioned, we'll dip into this more in the Legacy episode, but Amanda was so inspired by the film, she learned how to play the guitar by listening to the soundtrack over and over again. And while still in school, she went on to start her very own teenage rock band that would find international fame just like the Pussycats would – that band was called Operator Please and they were a seminal naughties act bursting onto the scene after winning a Battle of the Bands competition in high school and yes, you heard that right. As far as origin stories go, it's some pretty Archie comic shit.
1: Basically, it was Battle of the... You know, every year the school had like a talent quest or a Battle of the Bands and I just noticed that I, I always quietly played guitar and I wrote songs, you know, from, grade, from eighth grade. I had written and, you know, played guitar quietly. Um, but I noticed that during Battle of the Bands, it was only ever, um, a female, uh, they, they get like a token girl singer or something. Um, or it was just all guys. Um, and yeah, and I thought, and I, I, I was always like a confident kid, like, but I was never confident enough to kind of get up on stage and do something in front of a whole bunch of people. But, um, Yeah, that kind of all changed when I was like, I'm just going to do it. I was in maybe my second last year of high school. I was like, I've sat on the sidelines long enough. I can do this. So I got together just like people from school. I saw Ashley, who was the bass player. Um I used to see him walking around with a bass guitar because he was obviously taking lessons at school. Um, and I just remember his haircut was really, he had like an emo kind of hairdo, like full jet black. Yeah, I remember. He always had, (laughs) he always had great sunglasses on. He had like the high white socks and like he always had music badges. Like he had a hole and death from love and, uh all that kind of you know that kind of music um and so i literally just walked up to him one day and was like hi i'm getting a band together for battle of bands we're gonna play things like the yeah yeah yes and stuff like that and he was like oh my god uh yeah i'm in and i kind of handpicked kids from around the school and tim like our drummer who was like the baby face drummer he was even smaller back then even looked like even younger I picked him because I knew that he was really good at drums. And, like, I literally went around the school and picked people who I thought were a bit, like, weird, um, you know, because I resonated with that. And that's how we started, and we ended up winning, and then we ended up playing. We entered into a couple of competitions outside of school. We were cocky, and we ended up winning those. And then kind of just I, – I kind of just started trying to play – local shows. Sorry, this is much longer. <laughs> I try to play local shows, um, you know, and I just hassled hey. venues until they would let us have a show. And then basically after that, MySpace came along, um, uploaded a couple of our demos onto MySpace. And then within about four months or something, maybe two or three months of them being up, I was getting phone calls and emails from major labels. And yeah, I thought it was a prank at first. And then I realized it was real and met with a couple of these labels. And then we got flown over to America to showcase by six of these labels. And kind of everything went on from there.
2: Amanda was around 16 or 17 at this time, and she was the oldest person in the band. All of Operator Please was comprised entirely of kids who were 16, 15 and 14 which is wild to think about, especially when you consider the only other acts that were even close to their age had come from the manufactured Disney machine and made mainstream pop. That was definitely not operator Blizz's style and by all rights, they shouldn't have succeeded, not just due to their age, but you know, due to their lack of connections in the industry and being fronted by a young woman of colour in Amanda.
1: Yeah, I, I had a conversation with somebody about this. Like, pretty much all the odds were against me, do you know? I didn't like look the part. This is an in, inadvertent commas by the way. Um, I didn't look the part. Um, you know, I was underage, the whole band were underage. I was brown, so people were expecting me to like sing R and B. Um and I played guitar, do you know? And I, I sang like this shouty kind of pop punky surf music. <laughs> um but yeah, like I honestly and there was so many rumors going around, like Oh, they're manufactured, and it's just like, yeah, right. If they were to manufacture a underage like punk band, don't you think that they would just make everybody all girls and like skinny, tiny, blonde, and white? <laughs> Do you know it wasn't? I was like one of the only. I'm not going to take claim. I'm not claiming it or anything, but like for that particular time, I understand. I, I now understand how. I I understand now because of how Australia is, you know, and this is not a diss on Australia, it's just how it is. Um, I understand now how polarising I as a person was even being in the music industry, you know, and it shouldn't have been that way, but I get it now looking at, now looking at it from the outside, you know.
2: Part of what Amanda's saying but not saying is specific to Australia and Australian culture. So for our international listeners, let me break it down for you. Australia has this thing called tall poppy syndrome where the mass public like you until the point you start doing too well. Before Steve Irwin tragically died, the wider Aussie dialogue was centred around making jokes about him. He was embarrassing to the mass populace and the bulk of his success and popularity actually came from overseas, namely in the US. It happened to Nicole Kidman too. Soon as she broke through in the 90s, Australians turned against her until eventually the cycle downturns and in another decade, she's back to being quote unquote our Nick. It's hard for entertainers to deal with. The public impress mood swings, give people whiplash and it's often why a lot of entertainers across music, comedy, film and television end up leaving the country and working overseas. Also, Australia is pretty racist and sexist across the board. So, despite all of that, Operator Please begin blowing up as they start dropping tracks from their first album, Yes, Yes, Vindictive, like this one, Get What You Want.
1: You really don't wanna. You know what you want you know to. I know you can I know you
2: can I
0: know you can
2: I you know you can I you know you can you can you One of the defining traits of their music, super catchy hooks, these infectious bridges and lyrics that are way smarter than you think they are the first 1000 times as they weasel their way into your brain. That track was a top 30 hit here in Oz and it helped propel them onto the cool indie band radar in the UK, US and Europe after Get What You Want gets used in an ad for the airline Virgin Blue. And video games, UEFA Euro 2008 and Test Drive Unlimited 2.
0: Man, you know that the song has to be catchy to make its way into a video game.
2: To a sport video game and a car video game. (laughs) Oh my God. Dudes. Apples and oranges. (laughs) Yet their success was no accident. It came down to painstaking hard work, study and a DIY approach led by Amanda.
1: My whole thing was I i already knew, at, like I was a full-on nerd about it. You know, I went and studied, like uh, I would go to the library and like look up how to start a small business and like <laughs> I did all of the homework on how to manage it properly from like a monetary point of view in the early stages. Like how do I make money off this? How do I sell EPs? So I would set up a PO, I set up a PO box figured out I did everything everything was DIY. Every single thing was DIY. Like learned how to screen print. My sister was a designer, so she helped with like photos and she helped with design. There was a very specific kind of aesthetic because I knew that things had to be packaged to look legit. Um and I think the because it was represented in a way where I was like, right, everything needs to look like it's done properly. Nobody needs to know that we've printed this on a fucking Canon ink jet printer blah 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 cut it at hand cut it and put it in a sleeve you know no one needs to know that it just needs to look good so weird because yeah and like I mean I think it's also from a point of when you really want like I'm all I've always been a curious person but at that age I was just like there has to be something more than just going to university and spending five years there and then going out and getting a job and then working the rest of your life I was like there has to be something more Um, And that was the curiosity. That was the question of me actually daring to do something that everybody said that I would fail at. And like, there was a little bit of like, I will show you, you know, like, I'll show you. It doesn't have to be this way. And yeah, and like, literally, my drive was, I want to go out and be able to see the world. How am I going to do that? I'm going to try and do it doing something that I really love to do, you know, And like, I even think back now and I'm like, I don't even know how I did it. But I think it was that curiosity and that desperation to kind of leave the nest and discover.
2: Amanda and I had moved over from New Zealand around the same time, gone to the same primary school together, gotten into fights together, lived down the road from each other, then went to different high schools and followed different paths. She became a rock star and I became a loser who started journalism (laughs) just a few days after finishing high school. I ended up volunteering to cover the music festival beat at my local newspaper so I could start making a case to get myself out of police rounds. That process took years, but in that time, I watched Operator Please play secret shows on the Gold Coast and then on to those same festivals I was covering, Big Day Out, Splendour in the Grass. And at first, it was on tiny, small stages during the day. And then over the years, it was bigger and bigger stages with better and better slots on the schedule. In 2007, when they were still teens, Operator Please went on to win the closest thing we have in Australia to a Grammy, an ARIA award presented here by Rove McManus and Missy Higgins.
0: Up to you, Missy. All right. And the ARIA goes to... Operator, please.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I really kind of don't know what to say, but... um, this is crazy
2: that was for just a song about ping pong the track you heard right up the top of this show and unquestionably operator please's biggest hit it was one of the most popular songs in Australia for the year 2007 coming in at 18 just behind this track at number 17 and prepare for the nostalgia kick I said the joker isn't Just a song about ping pong was used in a season four episode of CSI New York and hit the charts in the UK too. They were blowing up, touring the UK and colleges in the US, and and I would occasionally see Amanda and her sister Elvira on the music festival circuit. Usually, as we waited in the line for Portaloo's. and even looking back on it now, Amanda still can't help but pinch herself at the experience.
1: It, honestly, it is the stars aligning. It is. And when you have that opportunity, you have to go for it. You cannot pass it up because these opportunities don't just come around. And so when I see like young bands now, like taking taking what's happening to them for granted, I feel like walking up and shaking them and being like, no, you need to like hold on to this and fucking work it for as long as you can, you know, because those opportunities, they don't come up every day. And when they do you need to take them and go for it it was crazy like I've been I've been to so many places and I've learned so much and you learn so much like about relationships and about yourself um but yeah it is it is lightning in a bottle because when and I think a lot of the thing is like when it when you come down from it as well you need to learn how to manage that too And so, oh, man, I could write a book.
2: I'd read the shit out of that because Operator Please were these underage teens getting blown up by Zane Lowe in the UK, Perez Hilton in the US, touring with acts like Block Party and Maximo Park, getting tracks played in shows like Chuck. They had debuted in 2005 in these bright, colourful, coordinated outfits with artwork made by Amanda's sister and they had a distinctly punk Lego aesthetic. And hair. The five piece had a lot of Pete Wentz hair, as was the trend at the time. You know that, like... Oh, I know. That side part that starts, like, (laughs) at your clavicle? That one. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. We've all lived through it. Straightening your fringe to try and make it work. And it's important to know also that Operator Please broke through during a time when their sound and indie rock, alt-pop punk, wasn't dominating the mainstream charts. It had a dedicated underground following, but in 2008, the most popular song of the year was this. Uh-huh.
0: Mm-hmm. Let me talk to yeah. let me talk to mm-hmm. let it burn, mm-hmm. let me talk to mm-hmm. come on. Shoulda so have your boots with the fur.
2: Most popular song sounded like this. I say he's so sweet. rap. So I let the lick
1: the
2: and to just make it a tight trio, here's one of the other biggest global hits of 2008 which is having a wee bit of a resurgence at the moment thanks to the movie Hustlers. hip-hop dominated the charts and occasionally the odd stadium rock ballad from Coldplay or Maroon 5 would break through but that was only occasionally. So Operator Please debut in 2005, their first album hits in 2007, they tour basically non-stop for three years and write and record new material during that time while they're on the road with the release of their sophomore LP Gloves coming in 2010 with the first single Logic. You
1: got the blame, but let it slide off You got the blame, but let it slide
2: touring during this period playing Glastonbury and Leeds festivals while back and forth the second single off gloves featured in a movie for the first and only time comedy for a good time call which premiered at Sundance in January 2012 you
1: keep
2: by the end of the album cycle Operator Please were coming to an end as well. They'd started as teens and were now in their 20s with different dreams and different priorities. They had a lineup change midway through and it felt like the music industry was chewing them up and spitting them out one by one. By the start of 2012 it was all over Red Rover.
1: Yeah, it was it's so weird because for me it was like I mean, there were some kids in the band who were in high school, right? And who hadn't finished high school or were... They would have been... We ended the band at the time at which they would naturally go to university. Do you know? So it was kind of great because they got to see all of this stuff. And I was at the age where, yeah, I I would have... I was at the age where I could have gone to university, do you know? So it was kind of like a weird high school uni growing up thing or like taking like a seven-year gap year or something. I mean... Going through, like, the ins and outs of a major label is is weird. You know, like, the whole thing. Like, let's not, let's not like, uh, sugarcoat it. The music industry is fucking strange. It is weird. There are, there's so many elements to it. There's so many, you know, oh, my God. There's so many elements to it. Uh, and, yeah, and, like, after the band kind of finished and we kind of um, – yeah, well, I'm confirming this now because we just kind of quietly went, off, went on hiatus. But, you know, after everything kind of um kind of, you know, after we kind of decided that we were going to give it a rest for a while because you know, we've been on tour for like, ever. Ever. Like I, I man, I think like there was a couple of years where I maybe spent a week in Australia. <laughs> and like and then went and flew back out. Um so yeah, after kind of everything died down for us and we decided to kind of part and go our separate ways and do our own thing.
2: Interestingly, only two band members from Operator Please are still in the music industry. One is a session drummer and the other, Amanda, who moved to the UK and started a whole different kind of musical act.
1: I started Bossy Love. I started writing songs that were for Bossy Love because, you know, like throughout my entire thing, my, I'm just a sucker for a pop song. That's what I write. I write pop songs, you know? And so, um, I was writing all of these pop songs, which kind of didn't really fit operator anyway. And so I just kind of kept them for myself. And then I had met John from Dan He was in a band called Dan and <laughs> but I met him in Dundee in the, in Scotland, actually. It's so weird because that's where your book. I know. Of- <laughs> it's just so crazy. Like, I met John and Fat Sam's in Dundee, right? And we've been friends for 10 years ever since. And when I moved to the UK, kind of just to kind of discover everything and, you know, peak my curiosity, go and see the world again, Um, but this time on an extended, I I, I started collaborating with John and Bossy Love, and then that's how this started. And I think this project, for me, has been all about just actually getting back to the roots of doing exactly what you want and not having any interference. But that's why cliches are cliches though, because they're true. Like, it's like, you do, you're back to doing what you want and back, and you kind of go through a discovery of realizing that um, if you're not like being truthful with your music or with your art or with anything that you do, then it's really hard to kind of be yourself. And it's not to say that I wasn't doing that in Operator. I was being myself 100% and I got crucified for it, you know? Um, and, and when a lot of people ask me, how do you feel about that? I, need, I, I needed that because it taught me that I could stand in the face of adversity always and that I was cool with being me, you know? And that I don't need everybody else to be cool with me being me. That's fine. It's None of my business. You know, like even when I first started it, I always had a thick skin and it just kept growing thicker, Do you know, <laughs> kept growing thicker. Um, but I'm really grateful that I didn't lose my sense of self.
2: Bossy Love have been quietly slaying the scene in the UK and Europe for the past seven or so years now, with The Guardian calling them infectious, like Prince on a Trampoline, which is one of Blake's favourite quotes. Right. <laughs> and BBC Radio 1 dubbing them one of the most exciting bands on the planet right now. Here's one of my personal favourite tracks of theirs and one of their very first singles, actually, Sweat It Out. Oh, no, you're bossy love sound like what salt and pepper would sound like if they debuted in present times and their album me plus you also just came out at the end of 2019 with the guardian naming it one of the best albums of the year and we'll leave you with its title track sure to subscribe to this show so you're the first to know about all the upcoming episodes and some bonus ones this episode of jersey in the podcast was researched written and presented by me maria lewis
0: and also dj by maria lewis and produced by me blake howard (laughs) our podcast artwork was done by the talented amy Reed, who you can find on instagram at at ai.me.me or via email at reid 310 at gmail.com our jerkin theme which i still cannot believe is courtesy of the woman you've just heard about this entire episode aria
2: award winner aria
0: award winner baby <laughs> the most dangerous award to be won because you can stab people with it amanda wilkinson and edwin organ amanda thank you so much for doing it just in advance from both of us um me plus you is out now you've heard a couple of bangers from that and uh, you can find that anywhere you find your music
2: if you know someone who's hearing impaired who would enjoy the show written versions of every episode including the bonus eps are available online at graffiti with punctuation the link is in our show notes until next time who's a rock star